Welcome to Evolve, reinventing leadership, building freedom cultures, with CEO and award-winning author, Yvette Bethel. This podcast is dedicated to providing leaders with solutions to build trust, inspire authentic transformation, and improve engagement. Learn about new and tested ways you can revitalize your culture, empower people, and transform your results. This is Yvette Bethel, and it gives me great pleasure to welcome you to Evolve. Evolve challenges traditional leadership topics, explores modern leadership models, providing ideas you can use to transform your culture. We focus on leadership through the lens of interconnectivity, flow, and balance. We explore ideas that translate into practical applications for contemporary organizational challenges. In this episode of Evolve, we will explore emerging school leadership and management trends. And to explore this topic with us is educator, author, advocate, and social social and emotional learning expert, Sherilyn Leet. Sherilyn's passion is the design of curriculum, assessments, and training about emotional intelligence foster excellence around the globe. Sherilyn is a Fulbright scholar and holds a master's degree in curriculum design and instruction to the gifted and talented. She's motivated by the belief that developing emotional intelligence is a fundamental skill for any age. Sherilyn served as an editor for the book, No Choose Give. one of the most internationally published emotional intelligence courses for university students and for self-science. Sherilyn co-authored a paper in 2017 for the Journal of Applied Developmental Psychology on the school-wide application of emotional intelligence assessment. Her work has been accepted for presentation at the SXSW Education, that's correct, and the National SEL, Social Social and Emotional Learning Conference, and UNICEF. So with that, Sherilyn, I'd love to to welcome you to Evolve. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Yvette. Such an honor to be invited here today to speak with you. I've been following your podcast and your work in trust building in organizations and think it absolutely applies in the educational setting. So I'm excited about that. A perfect match then. Absolutely. (laughs) So to get started, uh, we can see that social and emotional learning is central to who you are and, and your work. And I would love for you to share with my audience about how you got here, how you got on this path. Sure. Well, when you look at child development and you always wonder, well, how did I become who I am? Um, There's different uh, spheres that help the cultural development of a child. One of that is the home life, of course. Another might be hobbies that they're involved with sports or coaches or you know, trainers, if they're musicians. But one thing that we all share in common would be our, the educational community and culture from which we came and were raised. And 
I know for me growing up, having a stable school experience where there was some, some structure, there was a lot of nurturing, there was a lot of um, engaging academic experience. And I know that is not necessarily the experience of most children around the world. So I feel very <laughs> fortunate that, that that was such a positive infrastructure for me. And, and that's part of it, Yvette, is as I intera um, interact with professionals all around the world and I ask them for their favorite memories, many say very few positive memories about their early childhood experience. Mm. There, it's very sad. Maybe they can think of one individual mm -hmm. who primed them and, and made a difference to go study this, this uh, new field in college, so to speak. But, but many have said it took until perhaps graduate school for them to find a mentor and someone in academia who really supported them. Um, and, it, and for me, that's just unacceptable. I think we, we know uh, from the neuroscience and the brain scans of how ch child's um, learning takes place. And we, we have to prioritize that. And mm -hmm. we have to recognize that teachers are bonsais of the brain. You know, you, you send your students. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> exactly. You send your students to be, you know, bonsai over time to individuals sometimes with more um, uh, hours, uh, sorry, I'm blanking on that word, but essentially chronological hours and other mm -hmm. um, activities, maybe even than you as the parent. Mm -hmm. So, so educators are the soil from which this is happening. What an educator does and doesn't decide um, to, to talk about uh, the attitude, the, their mood, their personality, their charisma or lack of it, all of that will shape what the child's brain will or will not do for that hour and maybe that year or ongoing. I was actually watching and I, I was Netflixing <laughs> last week. <laughs> Full disclosure, it was a reality show. It was a Parisian um, real estate reality show. Oh. And it was a group of brothers in the family that, and the youngest brother was sharing that his anxiety stems from a very negative experience he had with a teacher in his early years mm. that he has still not been able to overcome. And, you know, now this man is in his late twenties and he's, he is very successful and still has a chip on his shoulder about overcoming and showing that teacher that indeed he was going to be a success. He was not a failure. He was going to make something of himself. And it made me think, wow, in, even in modern education, kids are being verbally abused. I was just going to say it sounds abusive. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And even in certain parts of the United States, corporal punishment is still allowed within the school system which we know spanking and corporal punishment actually decreases IQ over time. That's what the research has shown. So it, really? you know, there's a lot of change that needs to happen. In that. Mm -hmm. Interesting. In my country, uh, corporal punishment is quite accepted. Although I don't know if it's happening in the school system as much, but anyway, I digress. I'm a uh, curious, oh, I think the, the audience may be a little bit curious about what is social and emotional learning. Can you share with us a little bit about that? 
Absolutely. So this big field of social emotional learning is what people used to call the soft skills development. <laughs> and now anyone in this area now knows those are equally hard and fast skills as maybe uh, mathematics or scientific knowledge. Um, social emotional learning, as I see it and define it, is an individual, it's the process of an individual and collective um, increase in emotional intelligence skills for personal So it's this idea that you can strategically track a students' progress in these um, interpersonal and intrapersonal arenas mm -hmm. and, and observe and nurture and grow these skills just as you would reading, for example. And just like reading, it is a lifelong pursuit. You cannot just take one 20-minute class on reading and say, okay, we mastered that standard and skill moving on to something else, which is what people think they can do about with social emotional learning. Mm -hmm. uh, that's true. Uh, you know, you are on the inside of the academic system at a time of unprecedented everything. <laughs> and from your perspective, what, is, what are the emerging uh, leadership trends? What's happening? Yeah. Well, change leadership is the, the signaling phrase for today. I would say um, I, I, there are a lot of topics, in, especially in the education section, but for change readiness. Could you say that again? There was a bit of a glitch. Oh, sure. Lead not for perfection, but mm -hmm. for change readiness mm -hmm. and change action. So... Um, there's a tension between among systems of performance and process. And often, especially in academics and in the K-12 school systems, we think that we can track that progress and performance down to the most finite um, standardized question. And the reality is in such an evolving marketplace with technology abounding and the focus on 21st century skills um, for collaboration and communication and cross-cultural experiences, just like what we're having right now, is that this type of exchange, this is the future. In my role at Six Seconds, I work, almost every Zoom call is with someone from a different culture and society with a different background and identity. Mm -hmm. And I'm collaborating with those individuals from the morning I get up to the evening and each day is different and the dynamics are different. There's um, so much context to take into account. And of course there's deadlines to be met in the same breath. So there's this give and take of these relational skills that have become that I've seen just in the last 10 years of my career shift to the forefront. And if mm -hmm. we're preparing children for the jobs of tomorrow, uh, you know, we, absolutely need to focus on the social emotional skill building for for their success you know something you said just now caused me to think because uh you talk about performance and process and uh you know i don't work in the education system uh, as much i do have some clients but i do a lot of work in organ other types of organizations now 
What I see is when they focus on performance and process, they take their eye off the people side of it, the social side of, of the interaction. Um, you know, what, what is being done now that, you know, we're even more, uh, I guess, separated by the remote learning, uh, what's being done to, to bring that social part together, not just through teaching the students how to do it, but really integrating it into the design of how you uh, work remotely? Oh, fabulous question. I, I completely agree with you that even within process and product <laughs> is our people, the human element in both that, that makes it all worth it. And that's why educators like me are, are in this field because of the passion and the belief that um, these children are our future and mm. that the exposure to these skills building should be a human right. Um, I would, I've seen some very creative, the human component and try to humanize something like Zoom. I know that you and I, we've met once in person, but the rest of our relationship development has been online through these Zoom experiences. That's right. And so I, I, I would say, okay, let's think of what system, touching base, you know, setting aside. Excuse me one second. Can you say that again? I seem to be a bit unstable. I want to be Not sure that I capture everything. Absolutely. It, um, consistent times to touch base mm -hmm. with colleagues is very important, both formal and informal. And, and what I mean by that is we need structured and unstructured experiences, even online. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in our organization at Six Seconds, the program scrum team, we plan quarterly events or semesterly events where we're just playing about what's due on Friday. We're not talking about, you know, any other stressors at the moment. We're just, the goal is to laugh, reunite, re-engage, and sometimes with remote learning and remote work, Wayne, your why becomes diluted. Okay, uh, let me just pause. Okay, so one of the things that you mentioned is that you organized an innovative conference on neuroscience instructional design and experiential learning for Silicon Valley. Uh, and what are some, I, I think my question is, what are some of the solutions uh, to emerging challenges that you would have explored back then that could be applicable now? I'm, I'm really curious because, you know, they're innovators. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I... I worked at the Synapse School, which is the Six Seconds Laboratory School in Silicon Valley, not too far from Stanford. And they actually have a partnership uh, with the Stanford um, Educational Psychology Department where they have researchers on campus working and studying with the children. It's, it's really powerful. Um, and I should also uh, 
give credit to where credit is due. My, my partner in crime over there, Katie Morgan, who's an administrator still at Synapse, she and I were kind of the co-directors of the conference. And it was designed to bring in Silicon Valley professionals, not just the parent community of our school, but their friends and colleagues and leadership as well. We brought them to the Synapse campus and we had them engage in various play and experiential learning. And what we mean by that is we took them through the Synapse school day, which imagine a bit, you know, you come to this conference all proper and dressed up. And the first thing we have you do is get sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> With all these changes, I know we had, we had a, the adults said, wait, what's happening? We said, okay, you're going to break into two for mandatory 20 minute physical education. Oh, wow. And we sent them through basic routines, not, you know, granted if they didn't have appropriate footwear, we made it work. Right. Yeah. But yeah. still they, we had physical education for everyone followed by some quiet reflection, you know, some mindfulness. And then we started the learning process with everyone. Interesting. So just the way we, you know, we crafted the conference, the experience took you through what we believe is for K-12 setting. And that absolutely applies to whether you're hosting corporate meetings and retreats or other things. So giving them... Um, I, I've had my husband and I have been to tech conferences where the first two hours you were encouraged to go either bike ride, go on a hike or do something else. Because not only are you networking, but you're priming your brain for deeper learning. If you want someone to remember something and you just need to read John Medina, if you have any questions about brain based learning. And he would argue if you want them to remember anything, get them hot and sweaty first. Mm -hmm. and then teach them the math facts, teach them the important corporate values or whatever the meeting was about. Uh, because you'll get some um, people are awakened, they're more participative, and the results are better as well. So is that brain-based or is it more physical where you're activating all the cells in the body? Both. A combination of both, okay. Absolutely, for brain health and maintenance, Cardiovascular activity is, is very much connected to that blood flow. Um, so, and, and then you think about attention span. The average attention span is around 20 minutes, regardless of your age. Now, younger, younger students, right? A five-year-old might only have a seven-minute yeah. attention span. <laughs> but yeah. once you're, you know, out of your teenage years, professors and um Bosses alike need to keep that in mind. I've, I've heard people in various industries say, oh, rolling eyes. I have to go to my two-hour meeting in which they would say, I know exactly what's going to happen. The agenda's already made. It, each person gets a fixed amount of time. And that might not be the most engaging way to get content into long-term memory for individuals. Mm-hmm. So what I hear you saying is uh, some of the, the tools that could be used would be to um, use some of the social and emotional learning um, classroom strategies really? <laughs> for, for uh, bringing out the best in students as we go through all of these changes. Is that correct or is it? Exactly. So I've seen, I've seen uh, teachers virtually say, okay, you've been great. We just, you know, just wrote your paragraph on 
this historical fi figure. Now mm -hmm. we're all gonna do 10 sit-ups and 10 push-ups before we move on to the next part of the lesson. Mm -hmm. And it just makes such a difference because the students have been stagnant, you know, their, their interest was waning. And just that little break, the brain break was enough to re-engage mm -hmm. and help prime them for the next section and get them excited. Interesting. So students are one, they're one stakeholder in this whole emerging leadership thing uh, within the educational system. But uh, who are some of the other important stakeholders that uh, should be considered? Well, social emotional learning affects the community. It affects any staff member at a school, whether you have direct contact with students or not. So in some of the schools we consult with, you know, they set aside time just for the teachers to practice social emotional learning. And part of what we offer is, wait a second, the maintenance staff is part of the employee, part of the employee network at your school, the bus drivers, mm -hmm. the cafeteria personnel. All of those individuals cannot be forgotten. The front desk administrators and coordinators, that's all part of this ecosystem of the organizational culture for a school. And mm -hmm. none of them is immune uh, or none of them has, um, can get out of the responsibility of, of, mm -hmm. of being a social emotional learning advocate. Mm -hmm. Where do you think uh, this is all headed? Where the educational system, leadership within it, like where is, where is this going just based on your experience? Always um, fun to forecast with you with it. Uh, imagination oh, you know oh well i can't remember the name exactly of this project that came out of stanford that was a design school project about what would university look like in the next 50 years or what should it look like in the next 10 even though you know mm -hmm. let's be realistic we're, we're we take a while to make change in the education mm -hmm. system mm -hmm. um but but the idea that notion of the project once they interviewed the stakeholders was School is a lifelong process. So maybe in, the, in higher education, instead of going straight from high school into college, for example, and then graduate school, perhaps the college experience and the graduate experience are blended and the technical experience are blended. And university is something that you can be a part of for a lifetime. So it's really changing this idea that you're an alumni alumna member you're actually forever a student at said institution and what that does is it opens up and it's more realistic about careers now so mm -hmm. many people after you know 15 20 years in one industry try to cross into another industry or they realize they're at risk of losing their job if they don't retrain or add more technical skills or add more managerial skills Mm -hmm. And and so for for considering how many changes people have to make to stay current on information, I believe this new system will be a lot more fluid. It mm -hmm. will be lifelong, and you can weave in and out of this throughout your career. So it takes it just no longer just an executive MBA, but more of an executive lifelong experience where you can go in with a project, take mm -hmm. a couple key classes that are relevant to your professional experience in the now, have a cohort of individuals doing the same that you can rely on and have a community of support with some experts from the field, and then launch you back into 
into that career profession. So that's what I envision for higher ed. You know, it's, this is very interesting that you said that because I had a similar conversation uh, because I, I'm, I enjoy uh, Oriental costume drama. And uh, in, in a lot of the costume dramas, they have the martial artists who they uh, start off with school within their clan or whatever. And then they're sent out to have an experience of the world. And they start to not only uh, start to put into practice what they were learning for so many years, but their talents, uh, whatever is uh, specific to them, it starts to emerge. And I find it very interesting that what you just described is very similar to that, going back to allowing your purpose or your talents or your genius mm -hmm. to emerge uh, using the, the educational system to support that. It really sounds that that's what you were saying. Absolutely. Interesting. You know, this is such an interesting conversation, but I have to bring it to a close. <laughs> so I have a favorite final question. And um, to all of the educators and any leaders, because I think what, what we've said here really applies to any leader. From your perspective, what would be the best piece of advice that you would like to leave them with at the end of this conversation? I think, especially at, in times of uncertainty, and when we're talking about emerging leadership in schools, where at that level, you are prone to decision fatigue, just from the number of it, you know, issues that you're presented with a day to solve. It's been, what I've observed is that the more mature or effective leaders, because mature doesn't necessarily mean age. I should be very clear. I've seen mature leadership in people right out of school in their twenties. And I've seen immature leadership at the end of their careers as well, after 40 years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would say that those effective leaders really have a criteria for decision-making that weaves their values, mm -hmm. their own personal values and the organization's values together. Yes. And that has really helped them from, prohibited them from this decision fatigue and supported them and buoyed them, especially in times of crisis. So that would be, mm -hmm. if I could send them off with one piece of advice, that would be consider your criteria, write them down, and share them with your staff. Mm -hmm. Powerful. With that, I'd like to, well, love to thank you, Sherilyn, for engaging my audience. And uh, can you tell us where we can learn more about you or if someone wants to contact you, uh, which website uh, they can go to? Absolutely. Well, if you can read more about uh, me and what I do at Six Seconds at sixseconds.org, which is the number sixseconds.org. My email is Sherilyn, C-H-E-R-I-L-Y-N, at gene, well, at sixseconds.org. So the number sixseconds.org. And you can also find me on LinkedIn under Sherilyn Leet. And I'm located in Phoenix, Arizona. So that's and the that's Sherilyn Leet. Sherilyn with a C, not an S. <laughs> yes. Thank you. All right. So this has been Yvette Battle and Sherilyn Leet. 
Thank you for taking the time to join us at Evolve, Reinventing Leadership, Building Freedom Cultures. And you can contact me through my website, ifbnetwork.co, where we are a, a, an ecosystem of vibrant leaders who are challenging the leadership paradigm. That I'd love to see. Thank you. And until next time. Thanks for listening to Evolve, reinventing leadership, building freedom cultures. Join our vibrant network of leaders who are challenging the leadership paradigm in an innovative learning and impact network. Check out our webpage at ifbnetwork.co to learn more about and join our exciting ecosystem of high-performing leaders.